Hello everybody and welcome to Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O podcast. A little bit of a technical test tonight. Uh, we'll see. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. And okay, so most of the time we use Zoom in order to do this show or have have our guests call in and, and whatnot. And we've been sitting on this Discord server for, what, now a year, year and a half or something. And we haven't done anything with it. <clears throat> and our Zoom connections have been janky enough that we decided we're just going to go ahead and test this and see if it gives us any, any better quality call so uh, if if right. if tim drops and and disappears in the middle of all of this we'll, we'll know we made a mistake so or have we yeah. <laughs> uh so anyway how you doing sir we got snow on the ground over here yeah i uh, i haven't looked out the window but i can hear wet noises from the street i live on a fairly busy street yeah. um, and it's cold enough that i've got on my comfy sweater <clears throat> A nice warm winter comfy sweater. It's time to layer up, I tell you. Anyway, all right. I, you know, I'm a sweater guy. I like I like layers. I'm a sweater and jacket person. I'm, I'd much rather be cold than hot. But at the same time, you know. Yeah. It's like you know, twenty degrees out or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, I tell you, it's yeah. It, it, and it it was for me. It was the the suddenness. Of the drop. Oh, yeah. We didn't get any kind of a gradual, uh, ten, five degrees here, 10 degrees Yeah, here. not like... really. I was fighting a whole bunch of sinus stuff the last week, and, and I was way at a conference for, what, five days. And it was in Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. where it was warm. And if you've ever been to Louisville, it's an interesting town. It's definitely worth checking out. I encourage you to go. Um, the annoying part was is that years ago... There used to be a horror convention down in Louisville, Kentucky, and you remember this. We have a lot of our friends would actually go, yeah, and come back with these like crazy stories <laughs> of meeting, you know, these these famous horror actors and and having drinks with them or being trapped on a balcony because someone's got a gun. All kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff right. going on in Louisville. I I never got to go, um, probably for the best. But I finally go to Louisville, and it's for a grant writing uh, convention. Very different tone. Yes. Yes, I would imagine Very so. Different, uh, <laughs> I mean, not to say that grant writers can't party. I, um, they I, can. But, but those are stories kind. you don't tell, right? Well, it's a lot more. Um, the average age of the grant writing community <laughs> is closer to my age right. or older than it is to, you know, somebody in their 20s or 30s out to have a party time. These are folks who know their limits. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> I've, had, I've had two two white wines. Night, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. I, I completely understand that. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. I had a good time. But the weather was such a, I mean, it was so coming back and just, uh, you know, then that happens. You go from one environment to another. And I've got bad sinuses and it mucks yeah. with them. So last week was just awful. So almost this, it just being cold now mm -hmm. is almost a relief for me because it's less of the boomerang sure. that I was going through. So, well, and that'll that'll yeah. kill off some of the different pollens in the in the air type of thing and kind of diminish that a little bit, hopefully. So 
well, and it was weird because it's like the first time in a very long time I came back and I was like, I think I might have got con crud. Oh, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, they're like, I felt I just, you know, aside from the sinuses, I just felt really tired and really crying. And a friend of mine, a friend of mine texted me and said she'd been exposed to COVID while she was there and had it. And, but, you know, I never, I did the test and I never tested positive, but I just felt kind of crappy. So I was just like, well, I was in a hotel with 800 people yeah. at a convention. It's entirely possible. I just got con crud. It's been so long since <laughs> I've gotten that. I mean, you know, I mean, last time I got con crud, I think it was in my 20s. Yeah. So, and folks, if you've never had con crud, it's just pick, pick you're, you're surrounded by a bazillion people. Somebody in there might have a cold. And you happen to stand too close to the person with the cold. And you're like, I was having a great time. Why do I achoo? Yeah. <laughs> so crummy. Well, you, well, know, you and, stood too close to something or to another cold. And how many, how many conventions? I mean, this is something that we're going to have to get back in the habit of planning for it. Because, you know, if we're in, in 2023, if we're going to start trying to get out to various different conventions and start broadcasting again, we're going to have to have to take that into consideration. We're going to have to have a lot of vitamin C, a lot of zinc and and see what happens. But, yeah, concrete is it's interesting to hear people talking about concrete as if it's no no big thing now. <laughs> You know, I guess well, it's all relative. I mean, now. You know, if you if you're if all you're picking up from somebody is a cold, yeah. Okay, I mean that's just that's just something we all we're all used to. The, the The hardest part is that, of course, you just had this great time at this convention. You had a, you've met people, you've done cool things, you went to neat panels, you got to watch this premiere, whatever, and then you come home and you're like, why do I feel so crappy? You yeah. know, it's just that's again, we'll come back to a boomerang effect. It's not it's it's not yeah. any fun. But yep. yeah, so I mean, I'm I feel much better now, but still finding some sinus stuff. But welcome to my life. I, I'm, half the time, I'm always finding some yeah. stuff. So, uh, so as part of this great experiment here, let me give you a little feedback because your microphone is doing something unusual. Because oh, uh, I can hear you, I can hear you just fine, and it's nice and clean, and it's almost studio quality. It's actually better than than the Zoom quality on that front. Mm -hmm. However, on occasion, oh there it's almost like you've got an automatic sound suppression type of thing because sometimes when you're talking, I can hear the I can hear the room, and sometimes when you're talking, I don't hear the room, and it comes in oh, and out. Interestingly enough, I'm getting a <laughs> bit of buzz underneath you when you talk, but yeah. it's in the middle, so it's like at the beginning where you start to talk, it's not there; it builds. And then it tapers off as you stop. So there's huh. this like, and it's not a, it's a little bit of a sound. Yeah. I mean, it's not huge, but it's enough. It's a little bit of a static. So that's, that's very strange. I'm curious to see how it comes through on the recording. Yeah, I am too. We'll have to, we'll have to play this back a little and see. All right. So tonight we are, uh, we are talking about a subject that's on the one hand, this is fun to talk about. On the other hand, the reason we're talking about it is not so much because over the weekend or Thursday night, well, Friday we got confirmation that Kevin Conroy had passed away at age 66 after a very short, very short 
battle with cancer. It must have been aggressive, either that or nobody knew about it ahead of time. And it's an odd, it's an odd series of events how we found out. Because as most of you who are regulars know, I'm usually up till about nigh on forever in the morning. And I had decided to call it a night. I had I had shut everything down. I was I, I had left the studio. I've gone upstairs. I'm about to go home. And I'm checking my message because down here in the studio, underground, I don't get a signal to my phone. And so when I get upstairs, I'll usually just kind of wait and see about, mm-hmm. you know, get all the signals to catch up. So text messages, emails and whatnot. So as I'm waiting for the pings, I'm going through all the social media and I look and I look over on Instagram and Adrian Barbeau, this is about one o'clock in the morning here. Adrian Barbeau has posted this reaction and saying, you know, Kevin was was the best partner in, in you know, dialogue. And I was, I was like, wait, what? Did Kevin Conroy die? And so I'm doing all of this search, and uh, Death Angel Shadow says uh, audio sounds good on YouTube. Excellent. Okay, good. Okay, so good. I'm I'm doing this search. I'm looking on social media. I've checked my email. I don't have any alerts from any of the trade magazines yet. Deadline, you know, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, any of those, and nothing on socials. I'm doing search on Twitter and in this. I do the I do a web search, you know, Google search, whatnot. Nothing. And so I put on Twitter, Adrian Barbeau has just posted something, can't confirm yet, but it looks like Kevin Conroy's passed away. And, and other people had seen that, had seen her post, and like, Adrian Barbeau is saying that Kevin Conroy's dead. What's going on? What? No? Huh? What? So people were starting to, you know, this was starting to percolate a little bit. And after I posted mine, I, I think I was rather restrained in my post because I didn't get sensational. I didn't say, you know, hey, Kevin Conroy's dead. It's like, it looks like maybe we can't confirm. So I go back over and Adrian Barbeau has deleted that post. It's gone. Now I'm thinking, hold on. Did she get it wrong? And I put a, I put feelers out to a couple of people. and was like, have you heard anything about Kevin Conroy? And nobody heard anything yet. So the ne- <laughs> excuse me. The next morning, I sent a note to my contacts over at Warner Brothers. I said, "Hey, Adrian Barbo posted this thing. I what, can you tell me anything, or can we confirm this? Because you know, I don't want to report this and be wrong. I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to put something out there that you know is is incorrect." And the answer that I got back was, "Adrian made a mistake." Okay, did Adrian make a mistake and Kevin's not dead? Or did Adrian make a mistake posting something, reacting to something that wasn't officially announced yet? I mean, it, it could go either way, right? Well, right. And, and it, clearly the latter. Clearly the latter, because as it turns out, 
uh, about half an hour, or about 20 minutes after I sent that clarification question, we got the official word from Warner Brothers confirming that he had that he had died. In the meantime, somebody else had posted over to Twitter that um, uh, Diane, uh, I can't remember her last name. She played Poison Ivy. She had posted to her Facebook that he had passed away. So now we've got Adrian Barbeau over here. We've got Poison Ivy over here saying both saying the same thing. And then we get the official word from Warner Brothers. So, so yeah, it was one of those kind of a weird... That was the first, the first official dodge that I've gotten from anybody. It's like, Adrian made a mistake. Okay, what was her mistake? Well, I will not be able to speak from any kind of certainty because I don't have any involvement with, with anyone on a personal level. Um, it's highly likely that it was, I mean... His husband may have wanted people to wait. He, you know, told the select group of friends, and and what probably wasn't clear that don't say this, anything about this yet. Yeah. And Adrian heard the news and and reacted as we all will when we when we lose someone we know. <clears throat> there's that there's that tendency to either be very very quiet mm-hmm. or you know want to share the news with especially when someone's famous and and you know they've got fans and you know they've got folks who care about them right. outside of the people who actually know them and so i'm you know but yeah i mean i saw that and you know every now and again you had those moments he's not that much older than we are oh he's not well 14 years but yeah it's... but you know past a certain point you know 66, of course, is not old. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an example of, of, uh, I mean, it's almost always gone too soon, right? I mean, there's, there's just, there's no way around that, especially for the folks that you care about. But, I mean, yeah, just someone who, who clearly had, you know, um, you, you'd think there would be a lot more years of, of incredible voice work. Um, if this hadn't happened. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I thought we would take tonight and um, talk about his career, the impact that he had on not just the animation environment, but DC Comics, the whole, the whole Batman thing uh no he he was he was 66 uh and um yeah it's you don't expect it anymore i mean my dad's 81 and you start thinking about this stuff you know well how much longer do we have and then suddenly you don't have any more time uh, but it was one of those uh, where a lot of people, uh, this is a gut punch for a lot of fans because Kevin Conroy has been the definitive Batman for so many people. It, and, you know, and he's been doing it for so long. I mean, 1991 is when he got started. And it's just everybody, all of the people that, is, that I've seen talking online, it's like, you know, every time I read a comic book, every time I write a comic book, I hear Batman in Kevin, Kevin Conroy's voice. Mm-hmm. And, and when you consider that, <clears throat> excuse me, 
you've had, you know, actors like Michael Keaton and, and you know, I mean, how are you feel about the films? But think about it. You've had Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, um, you know. Um, um, Clooney. Clooney, George Clooney. Uh, you've had, you know, Ben Affleck. You've had, um, why is it going out of my head? Dark Knight Return, or. Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. God, I don't know why it just went poof. Um, but I mean, these are these are not slouches in the acting department. However, you feel about the various films, you know these these are talented people who have distinct voices and have given Batman a voice. Yeah, it's not even going back to um, the folks who you know played the character before. You know, he was Conroy was hardly the first voice actor to do Batman, um, but he really was, and he wasn't even the one who had been. You know, he became the longest-running Batman, but prior to that, it was another voice actor who was the longest-running Batman. Mm-hmm. The guy, the guy who gave us, you know, the during the, the Super Friends, right? Um, you know, had played the role for like two decades. And, you know, I mean, it's just. And I got an email from, and I got an email from Warner Brothers. Um, let's see here. Let me let me pull that up because there is a new collection that's coming out. From Warner Home Video, let me uh, let me get to it here. Of course, I can't see anything because I'm old and blind. Um, where is it? It is the old pre-Super Friends Batman cartoon. That's coming out on DVD, and I can now I can't find it. Where is it? But uh, the collection is, I think, uh, I think all of the, uh, the whole series. So Ooh. it's a uh, it's a new it's going to be a new release. Don't tell me I accidentally deleted it. Uh, while you're looking for that, uh, Ola, Olin Sule, I think was the name of the. Uh, I think I'm sure I'm mangling his last name. Was the uh, was the the voice actor for a lot of those animated things from 1968 to 1983. So, the Batman that we, you and I, grew up with mm-hmm. as kids, this was his, he was the voice of Batman. He was the one that we saw. Um, every time you saw an animated Batman, that was his voice coming out. There it is. Here From it is. before he was born to our teenage years. Yes. Uh, it is The Adventures of Batman. This is the Filmation series. Uh, mm. Newly remastered. First ever release on Blu-ray, February 28th. Um, the complete collection. This is all 34 episodes of the classic series from Filmation. Uh, and Olin Sewell. As Batman, uh, Casey Kasem is Robin. Mm-hmm. So this is the cast that that ended up in the Super Friends uh, right. set, uh, but this is uh, premiered on September fourteenth, nineteen sixty-eight. So that's the that's the beginning of of Sewell's voice run up through uh, Super Friends, and then eventually it, it, Super Friends. At one point, Adam West played Batman in all of that, and I think the challenge of the Super Friends, or one one of the 
one of the later right. versions. I think the one that introduced Firestorm and Cyborg. But yeah, for for a long time, Kevin Conroy was the guy, and his his approach to the character I thought was always interesting because he he gives us two distinct voices between Bruce Wayne and Batman, but he doesn't do the whole gravelly growly Batman like everybody else has done in the past. He 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 goes darker and he gets deeper. And he gets, you know, he's got a fuller voice. You know, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne is a lot weaker. But you can tell just from the nuance, from the way he's he's doing those lines, you can tell he's, you know, Bruce is, is doing the voice for effect. The Bruce voice is, is the affectation as opposed to the Batman voice. Which I thought was a, a unique take. It was an interesting take on it because that was the first time it had been done. Because even if you go back to, you know, Adam West, you know that that classic scene where Batman is talking to Bruce Wayne, they pretty much sound the same. He's not doing a Bruce Wayne voice and a Batman voice. He's he's just back and forth. And I don't think anybody well, had and, thought and about doing it that way. Michael before. Keaton. Michael Keaton had done it too. But it was different. It was, and of course, um, that was much more the... There there was a lightness to the affectation Mm -hmm. that Michael Keaton's Batman was using for his Bruce Wayne voice. Because he was also somebody who... I mean, it was very much the voice he had put on. Um... But it didn't have the same kind of. Um, it definitely didn't have the same kind of weight. And and that's not a slide on my on, on Michael Heaton. Um, and not to mention the fact that Conroy had the ability to work into that character over a great period of time. I mean, he you know he one of the reasons he became such an iconic. Batman for so many people is he had the time to make that character have that depth, even taking that character into the old age of that character mm-hmm. yeah, and to bring us even, you know, a, a, a different kind of voice. It's still recognizably Batman's voice, but there's the weight of age to it. And, and, uh, that, that, that mixture of just a tiny bit of bitterness that he can't do this himself anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and I think the other thing too is is when you have when you have somebody that's done that role for so long in a number of different projects. I mean, he video games, feature films, you know, animated feature films, several series, not just the Batman series and the Adventures of Batman and Robin, but also uh, you know, showing up with the Superman stuff and then Justice League and all of these different things. What's interesting between Superman and Justice League is you have different actors playing Superman, but you've got the same Batman. You know, Tim Daly did it in the Superman series, and in Justice League it was George Newbern. And there's not a whole lot of difference between them, but you still got Kevin Conroy there as Batman. Well, and even when they started bringing other actors to play Batman, 
it was because they were basically you were looking at a, almost a whole new cast for that particular project right so you right. have like a completely different superman a completely different wonder woman these are and 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 that's fine there's this definitely this you know experimentation with voice groups and and depending on the story they were telling it was varying degrees of success part of me will always regret that as much as you know he's got an incredible voice um the idea that you know we did not get kevin conroy for the dark knight returns oh yeah that that was probably the most miscast batman i've heard in any animated picture peter weller as as great an actor as Peter Weller is, as storied as his career is, I mean, Robocop, Buckaroo Banzai, you know, all, all these, you know, Peter Weller is the guy. Except his delivery, his performance on Dark Knight Returns is so flat and unemotional and uninteresting when I first heard it, I thought Weller's phoning this in for a paycheck. That that's how it felt, because there was no, there was there was nothing to it. Well, and it's interesting thing is that that's a role that seems to really <clears throat> love it or hate it. Um, and because there are folks who certainly praised his performance, and then that's fine. But like you, it just felt. And again, yeah, Weller is an amazing actor, and I think he's got a fantastic voice. Um, and in, in fairness to him, I don't think at any point in his career I would have necessarily cast him as Batman. No. And that's not that's not that's not a slam by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I really enjoy Peter Weller's work. It's just he's not I don't I don't see that. And I can see him playing Lex Luthor. Oh I, god, yes. I can see him playing <laughs> May- I've always, I still always wanted a live live action Clancy Brown, Lex <laughs> Luthor. Right. I I just I just want that. Um, and and of course you know he's one of the folks who who worked with Kevin Conroy, and so he's got, you know that he's also feeling the loss right now. But I mean just to, we we got Kevin Conroy playing Batman in live action. I mean we we got yeah. that brief moment. Yeah, um, and, and that was fantastic to see him do it. But well, and that got a that got a mixed reaction too because you know oh, sure. you see you see he's he's Kingdom Come Batman ish, except mm-hmm. he's at the point where he's given up and it's okay for people to die and people are like, is that is that really is that really what? Well, but think what about it. He do? finally got the chance to play this character that he had really made his mark on, yeah. really made his own as the bad guy. Yeah. Every actor likes to play the bad guy. I mean, I you know I I, I don't I, I have no knowledge of how he felt about playing the role that way. But to me, as someone who has played a few bad guys um, when acting, there's so much there's so much fun in being able and especially being able to subvert. The character that you become known for, um, to twist that around, and sometimes that's just a lot of fun. So I hope it was fun for him because, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, I get to play the bad version of me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's it's one of those things where you know, 
given given how many cameos and guest shots, you know, guest stars showed up in that thing, it was inevitable. I mean, you you could not do a Crisis on Infinite Earths and not have Kevin Conroy in there somehow because he's just he's just so so connected to that character. Um, the and, only thing I would have liked to have seen <clears throat> instead would be him doing the Batman Beyond Bruce Wayne for Crisis because you know I mean Crisis you get away with this with a jump into the future in a Crisis event because um, that would have you know well not only that we would have gotten you know a Batman Beyond um, which <clears throat> dear Warner Brothers <laughs> right. Um, people have wanted a Batman Beyond for a long Now, admittedly, it's going to be very, very hard to have that happen now that he's gone. I mean, it can be done, and there's certainly other actors who could play the role in live action, and they probably would have done, if they do a live action ver version, they would have probably done that anyway. Right. But the fact that, you know, um, we don't even know the option anymore is... Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, well, and and I'm looking through some of the notes here on this on on Crisis on Infinite Earths, and and Conroy was completely surprised when they reached out to him for the for the role in the first place. He's like, you know, because sure. it's you know it's a transition. You know, he's he's been doing the voice for so long. You know, actually physically inhabiting the character was a completely new a new thing for him as far as like how to approach it. But people don't maybe don't realize uh, unless you've followed his career with some with some attention a lot of people don't realize that he was a live action actor as well as doing the way everybody knows him as the voice of batman but he's done live action stuff he got started in soaps i mean as that was his that was his first steady job was on another world so well, you know he's he roomed with robin williams at juilliard yeah he was he was friends with with uh, Kelsey, or at least he knew Kelsey Grammer. Uh, um, Christopher Reeve. He studied under John Houseman. Yeah. See now that I mean, that more than anything else, that pedigree not not just studying at Juilliard, but studying at Juilliard with John Houseman of all people. And for those, and, and I know. Okay, everybody, take a drink. This is dating us. But you know, John Houseman was, you know, the paper chase. Houseman was considered one of the best actors of the time in the 80s, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, and and it was... He was also a rare actor who was crossing over from both film, stage, and television at the time. Because remember, we've talked about this before, there used to be this idea that, you know, ne'er the ne'er the twain shall meet. You know, you didn't cross the streams from the medium. And Houseman was like, I will go where I want. Yeah. I will be what I want. If you if you cast me, I'll show up and I'll give you this amazing performance. And it's it's a forgot you mentioned the paper chase. It's a relatively I I hate to say this because it sounds weird. It's a relatively forgotten show to modern audiences. It is. And that's a shame because it's a really good show, um, especially in the first season. Well, and I, I remember I remember my surprise when I saw John Houseman 
show up in a TV commercial for an investment firm? Was it T was it TD TD Waterhouse? I no. Who was Might it? Might have been, yeah. But anyway, just you know, we we make our money the old fashioned way. We fashioned it. <laughs> and I looked at went, Houseman? They got Houseman for a TV commercial? It just blew my mind at the time. I was like, wait a minute. You know, he's... he had a house payment. He was like, you know, <laughs> right. sure, why not? Sure. I mean, he, he was always he he had this amazing voice and amazing talent. Uh, and, and just this incredible presence on screen, but he was also very pragmatic yeah. <laughs> as a like, person. And I think that that's something that you know you you don't think of some of these folks as being teachers, but Houseman and there were a bunch of other actors of his generation who taught for a while, mm. and you know, and they would go to places like Juilliard and have you know uh, a residency there or or whatever. And you know, this you imagine you got somebody like that. That's your teacher. That's the person who's helping shape you know, your performance. And Conroy would go on. He did Death Trap early on in his career. Uh, it's an Ira Levin play. And it is just, a, it's one of my favorite plays because it's its one of those mystery plays that, uh, you know, doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. And there were, and, and, Christopher Reeve also had played that role. He played the role in, in the screen version, oh, uh, yeah. opposite Michael Caine. Who, and, who also uh, was rather pragmatic when it came to Jobs, because when we, people ask him about Jaws oh, yeah. 3D, he's like, it, it gave my mother a very nice house. I've never seen the movie, but, you know, it was like you know, a working well, actor. He grew up, Caine grew up, grew up poor, yeah. and he has always had the philosophy that the next paycheck may not come, because... That was how his life was, his, his experience was formed. And so he's like, you want to pay me to do the thing? I'll do the thing. Sure. Yeah. Which unfortunately means we got Jaws 3 and we also <laughs> got on, on Deadly Ground, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, okay. So, so MS says, um, I would liken voice acting to doing green screen scenes with zero visual cues. And to a point, that's kind of sort of accurate it depends because you know, you know conroy has talked about his process when he's doing this you know a lot of times you know you're in the booth all by yourself but there are times depending on the project where in an ideal circumstance everybody is there and they're all in the room and each of them has a microphone and, and they can they can actually react and the timing is everything is right there because it's all happening in the moment other times it's just you in the booth and you have to you know Conroy says I gotta close my eyes and I gotta imagine what it looks like what it sounds like what the other guys are doing to do this thing and it's not exactly like green screen because green screen you at least got some kind of a visual reference like here's a ball to look at or here's the Here's the plastic head for the creature that's coming after you. Already, you you've got some visual cues on the set, even if there's really not any kind of a set. But in voice acting, you don't ha even have that. You maybe have some concept art, some sketches, but for the most part, it's you and the screen or, or, or the script and and the director, the voice director. The voice director is sitting there going, "Well, try it this way. Do it that way." Try it this way. Well, and and the voice director will often be feeding you the other person's lines. 
but their job is not to inhabit that character the way that the actor who's playing that role is so right even with the best of intentions and these some of these folks are some of these directors and or or you know you've got somebody else there who's a script supervisor or somebody there who's who's feeding you the lines who isn't the director no some of these folks are really really talented um and and very fine voice actors themselves but they're not the person you're playing off of and certainly in some environments just due to the realities of the industry sometimes you are recording on your own and you may have a home studio a lot of voice you know some voice actors have very fine home studios but you're performing on your own and you don't even have that yeah your direction is virtual you got you got you actually have a page of notes and i mean so it depending on the setup it can be it can be a, a huge challenge and well tom the fact that tom kane has had that kind mm -hmm. of a setup when he was when he was doing stuff here because uh he had his studio and for the longest time they wouldn't let him record remotely for star wars projects he could he could do right. other things you know they sent him the script and he'd basically get on uh the the internet the web and you know once he had a secure i think i think he had to have a t1 line or some some kind of a really secure back and forth before lucasfilm was even uh comfortable letting him do it but but yeah you're right you've got the you've got the the uh, voice director on the other side of that call and you it may not even be a video call it might just be audio only and you're and you're reading the lines and you're doing the thing and the performance in here and then you're getting the feedback from somebody 3000 miles away well and and someone like Conroy of course has the experience to do this on his own i mean he's somebody he he's not they're they're not going to sit there and say now completely change what you do with batman They're, that's not what's going to happen i mean yeah. there's you know so he's coming in from he's coming in from that sense of that that place of just the strength of the of the experience in the role yeah. but it doesn't make it it's still harder than you know if mark hamill is in you know across the the recording booth with you and you're both standing there you're going to have a different energy than if you're doing it off of you know julie smith no matter how good a voice director julie smith is yeah she may be she may be the best voice director in the industry right now but she's not mark hamble you're not you're not you're just not getting that same energy and it's well, just that's just the realities of of acting and even then working you know? with working with andrea romano for so many years i mean she was the voice director all the way back to super friends up until she retired what the six seven years ago ten years ago now Something like that, yeah. And she was she was there for all of them, and you know, even even the stuff that uh, that Sam Daly did with his dad, those little those little comedy shorts where, you know, uh, Kevin Conroy shows up and and Tim Daly is like, yeah, I I don't know if you've seen those, but Andrea Romano even shows up in one, and you know, it's all in good fun. Um, you know, they're, they're very tongue in cheek and now death, death angels is not an inside joke. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, I, I forget the circumstances, uh, surrounding this exact thing, but we, we were putting together a show and I had sent Tom 
a, a, a set of liners, some scripts for some stuff to record. And as usually happens, the email got buried and he missed it. He that's Tom Kane. Yes, Tom. So Kane. you recognize who, who who Jason's the Tom Jason Jason's talking about. Yeah, Tom. Tom, Tom, the, Tom does the all famous the voice famous voice actor. Yes, Tom Kane. Tom Kane. So you know. uh, he'd been out of town and got busy. He forgot, and and this kind of thing happens because you know he was doing it just to be generous because we're friends, and you know he was in our he was in our Lovecraft film, and and uh, and so you know he lives across town. Yeah, he's over there, <laughs> but. Uh, this was a last minute thing. He's like, oh, I completely forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he he got in a bathroom somewhere, wherever it was he, he was at. I want to say he was at the airport or at a hotel or something and went into the bathroom and recorded recorded the script on his phone and sent it to us. And it worked. I mean, it was it was I don't even remember what it was for now. Um, but it was, it was some last minute, uh, what was it? Was it, the, was it the, was it the Spectrum Awards when we did that that year? Is that what that was? I want to say that's what it was. So, yeah. We, I just, I just finished listening to a podcast. Um, it was a reunion show kind of for a science fiction podcast called Wolf 359, which was, has been one of the, it's one of the best science fiction, won all kinds of awards, best science fiction podcast of like the last decade. Um, ran for, I think, four or five seasons. It's excellent. It's all out there. Check it out. It's great. Some very fine voice work. Um, and they were talking about the early days of recording. The director of the show wasn't even able to be in the room with them for, like, the first eight episodes of the show. Yeah. They auditioned with him. They met him in person. They auditioned with him. And then they were, it was all on opposite ends of the country for ep eight episodes of the show. And they're recording in their bathroom, in the crawl space, under the stairs. Any place you could get enough noise deadening. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one of them was talking about he wasn't living alone at the time. And so he found a space under the stairs, which was great until his roommates needed to use the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> in which case, you know, it blew whatever take he was doing. So the process, um, there's another... Um, the Magnus Archives, they were talking about how their entire first season was recorded underneath a comforter. Yeah. They were sitting on, huddled on the couch with a comforter over their heads um, in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even in a room. It was just in a hallway. Um, and, and it's just amazing the things, the, the stuff that you learn and do to make this work. And people like Tom Kane and, and Kevin Conroy became you know clearly just by the nature of their of what they do had to become really really good at going yes i can jump into this bathroom <laughs> and record a minute and a half of of you know yeah dialogue and have it work <laughs> yeah well and and, I, and and the more i think about it the more i do think it was the spectrum awards and and the echo from the bathroom actually worked for that particular set of liners because Live from the you know, he was doing his he was doing his Oscar voice, right? You know. So right. it yeah, it, it worked out. But the other the other part of that, you know, you talk about we talk about Tom being generous with his time. 
Kevin Conroy was also doing cameo recordings. So for those of you who are not familiar, there's a there's a service out there called Cameo where you can spend some money and get a celebrity to do a greeting of some sort. You know, a happy birthday thing or a hi, how are you? Or a hi, happy anniversary or something like that. And a few have shown up over the weekend where people have gotten one from, from Conroy. And you would think, you know, the expectation was, you know, Batman says happy birthday and that's pretty much it. That's not what he did. He would he would start with that. Batman says happy birthday. And then he would go into you know, hey, it's really cool that your friends have have done this and friendships all this and yeah, and all of these different things and he would go on for another minute minute and a half about something personal having to do with character and not not character like I play a character but your own personal character a sense of honor a sense of 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 who you are a sense of being you know a a, a quality type of thing that he would talk about you know why it was important to be this kind of a person and it's all extra and it's nothing that anybody had requested, but he would throw all of that stuff in on, it, on his own about, you know, the importance of friendship, the importance of honor, and, you know, uh, the, you know being uh, how, how cool it was to be a dad, and, you know, those kind of things. Just depending on, on what kind of cameo he had been hired to do, you know, mm -hmm. you're expecting 10, 15 seconds of Kevin Conroy saying, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman, happy birthday. And that's it. Yeah. But that's not what he did. And I think that you combine that with all of the different things that people have said about him at conventions, about how generous he was with his time, how kind he was, how, how just really connecting with people. I have not heard any negative story about him from any corner of the web. And, and in this day and age where people like Mark Hamill or George Takei or Marina Sears are just awful people on social media. There's nothing like that out there, people say, about Kevin Conroy. His colleagues are all talking about how kind he was, how generous he was with his time, how much of a, of a collaborator he was in terms of acting and his performance. And everybody talks about how great he was at conventions, how excited he always was to meet the fans, and how much he appreciated all of the things that they would say about how great, you know, it, he was the Batman for so many people. And he understood how important the fans were to this whole synergy of his his career. And it's funny, um, who was it? Somebody had posted... I can't remember who it was. Somebody posted. Oh, it was Susan Eisenberg, who played Wonder Woman in Justice League. She mm. she posted a photograph of Conroy in one of the one of the green rooms at a convention, and he was the only one in there. And it was just his one moment where he just kind of sat and he was checking his phone, 
and it was just this one quiet moment for Kevin Conroy all by himself just a there and he didn't look stressed he looked totally relaxed he was smiling at whatever it was he was looking at and Susan Eisenberg was sitting there saying I I caught this one moment and I left before he knew it was before he knew I was there and it was just this small candid second of Kevin Conroy just kind of decompressing I guess because he was he he was always ready to to shake hands and and talk to fans mm-hmm. and she's like well, here's, and, here's his here's his one little quiet moment in all of this. There is, and I think this I think this is made available for free, but he wrote uh, for the recent DC Pride anthology. He wrote Finding Batman, which is his own personal story for his life to playing the part, and as more than one person has noticed. Um, and he talks about there, but I mean, it really becomes you know people have, have commented on. While he didn't lose his parents to murder as a child, he did lose his father to mental illness. Mm-hmm. He was a gay man in the 1950s and 60s when you did not talk about this. He was essentially playing a dual role for a good chunk of his life. He was not a big Batman fan when he was offered the role. And they explained the character to him. He's sitting there in this, this audition and they're explaining the character. He's like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> because he's, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is the real man. And it's these things. So it's like he brought his life experience into this role. And one of the reasons that it comes through so clearly in terms of this iconic character is that while he was never an actual put on a costume, go out and fight crime based on on the people around him he kind of was what we would almost want to have as a superhero a genuinely kind person who worked with people around him and brought a weight and gravitas to a comic book cartoon yeah i mean we 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 talk about how how impactful that particular you know animated series is and it is but if you're on the outside looking in, if you don't have that built-in kind of thing that a lot of genre fans have where this stuff appeals to you mm-hmm. at any age, it could seem like something very, very silly. And there's an American viewpoint that cartoons are for kids. And certainly, yes, cartoons can be for kids. And a lot of the American cartoons are. But... His version of Batman, all of those various incarnations of his Batman, while you were not likely to see somebody die in one of those shows, they also didn't talk down to kids, and they also didn't they weren't they weren't child aimed so much as at kids as a broad and it's a fine line and it's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do to have have something like that that can be as dark as that show could be sometimes and yet be not too scary for children and yet engaging for adults. The writing on that show was very clever. Very, very good writing teams at various points. Um, but 
if he had not had the opportunity to have that space to work in, mm-hmm. um, we would have missed out on something incredible yeah. because 30 years. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's our Batman for three decades. And, and the other, the other, the other part of that is that you have, um, a brief window of time. And, and we talked about this last week with the eighties, the eighties and early into the nineties, that, that block of time, from about 1982 to about 1993, it, it, you know, there, there's a little fudge factor there, but somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. That time, there were so many shows that were made that had so much of an impact on all of us growing up, and all our, our formative years, as it were, and there's that. And there's a, there's a cultural touchstone there in that block of time as well that I don't think you can replicate because you take any, any of those shows from back then and try to make it now and you wouldn't be able to do it because creative sensibilities are different. The audience sensibilities are different. Your, your socio political environment is different now. I mean, if the, if, well, the entire medium is different now. I think yeah, you're, but if, you're let's say the, if, you, if they'd started Batman the animated series now and they'd announced that we've got this brand new show and there's going to be this guy here, his name's Kevin Conroy, and what, and oh, yeah, by the way, he's gay. That would be the leading story. Whereas in 1991, well, also, it was, hey, there's this yeah, new Batman he was, story. He'd, he didn't come out until what? I know, I know, but six years ago. I know, but what I'm saying Eight is, what I'm saying is, the, oh, in, yeah. in today's current year mentality, the focus would all would have all been about how Kevin Conroy is gay playing Batman, and the show well, would not I, have the succeeded. Thing is, it's, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily would be the case because the um, I can't remember the name of the the Batman podcast. With Winston Duke playing Batman. Oh right, uh, I listened uh, to a ton of, yeah. I, I, I listened to a ton of ton of podcasts. I can't remember. The and name while, yeah, while while there was definitely, you know, I tried so, on so many commercials for that on Spotify. It's like okay, <laughs> I want to listen to this, but you guys are ticking me off. It's in every single show I listen to. I've got to listen to this Batman trailer. It's a perfectly fine trailer. I'm interested to hear what it is, but you know what? You're, it's I can't get away from it right now, and that that's not you know. Yeah. I tell that tells me I listen to too many podcasts. Batman unburied. <laughs> Batman this, unburied is the name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't listened to it yet. It's on my list. I have some. I'm working my way through a bazillion podcasts right now. Um, but the thing is, is that they never actually mention his race. They mentioned that he's you know star of Black Panther. You know, they they mentioned some of his shows, but they never once mentioned he's black. So I don't know. It depends on how they're mar- how they would be marketing it. But the thing is, is that um, it is it's fascinating to me. And if you get if you guys if you guys have not picked up Finding Batman, like I said, I think it I think it's free right it, now. Yeah, I think you can did, find it for most of it. Out, they did put it out of the weekend. Um, and if you, it, I hope in the next few years we get a really good bio of him. That would be fantastic, you yeah. know. Have, you know, from a, a documentary about his career, that would be great. But this is the closest thing you're going to get to that right now. 
it's his own voice he wrote the script um it's about you know his experience and and his playing the part and if you haven't seen that and I, I highly recommend it i really enjoyed it um because it's real you know it's the guy and it's the story and it, it's it's kind of amazing just how much he is exactly the right person to play batman at that time yeah and to be that voice for you know uh, let's see 30 years that's what two generations something like and that. and then their kids yeah because i'm because the thing is is that 10 years from now 20 years from now there might be some very very fine batman voice work being done and i'm not going to knock those folks in the future being able to give us an amazing batman but you know what 30 years from now people are still going to be listening to kevin conroy well do the and, voice of batman and the new bruce tim series Batman Cape Crusader, which is the which is the the new one they're working on now. He plays Thomas Wayne. So there's that passing of the torch like we've gotten from other things, because, you know, when when Conroy was playing Batman, you had Adam West playing the Grey Ghost. Which was great. It was. It was fantastic. But it was one of those handing it was handing the baton to mm -hmm. the next to the next guy, you know, and we've seen mm -hmm. that in the live action stuff too, because previous actors who have played the roles, you know, Superman, Batman, Lois Lane, or, you know, Terry Hatcher played uh, Erica Durant's mom version of Lois. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, in, in Supergirl, you had, you have Erica Durant playing Supergirl's mother and you've got Helen Slater playing her adopted mother and Dean Cain playing her dad. You know, it, so it's, right. it's, we're going to pull in these legacy actors to hand off to the new the, to the new actors, and that tradition continues even even in the in the voice stuff, where you have now Kevin Conroy playing Thomas Wayne instead of Bruce Wayne. And I got to say, Jensen Ackles has done a fairly decent job playing Bruce Wayne. I he's 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 not bad. Yeah, uh, and I think that there's the, I mean. Uh... It's a weird thing because there have been some very, very good actors who have given us some very, very great Batman voices. And each of them bring different things to the character. And that's the way it should be. It's the way you would not want all your actors to play the part the same way. They'd get really boring really yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, but the the fact that, you know, there was there was a nuance to this animated character there was never any question of, of him phoning it in. There was never any question of him not giving, you know, these these really strong performances that defi helped define these characters and helped, especially at various points, make you sympathize with a character who can come across one note. Yeah. You know, it's... it's it's uh, People talk about how hard it is to write Superman from time to time, and I'm like, yeah, but... It's not. It's not. I don't. Well, I've never understood I, that. It's so there. I I think that's what happens when you end up and you and you end up with something like the version of Superman we got in Man of Steel, somebody who doesn't. Anyway, it's a whole other story. <laughs> anyway, um, I think because I think it's really easy to make Batman angry, and yeah. just you know I am vengeance, I am the knight, and that sort of thing. And lose lose the subtleties of 
the damaged person that Bruce Wayne is. Right. And I think Conroy really was able to bring the fact that, yes, he's got the toys. Yes, he's got the group of people who help him. Yeah, and at various points in the animated series, it's it was Batman on his own, but it was also the Bat family was with him at various points. Um, having that that depth of character that you don't necessarily get from a half-hour animated cartoon doesn't matter what the character is. Right. Right? I mean, that's... It's a challenge. It's it really is. It's tell, well, look, telling a story in 30, 30 minutes isn't easy for anybody. And Conroy had said that that Bruce Wayne's trauma is the entry point for his performance, for how he approaches mm-hmm. the character. And you know, well, and, yeah, and you could go back and forth, he, and 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 you know, is 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 Bruce Wayne the disguise or is Batman the disguise? There's been various different points of view on that, and back and forth, but. His for for Conroy to come in and say trauma as a child is the start that informs everything else. I think it's a it it was a it was an approach that hadn't been done up until that point. Well, I mean, because he, he had lived it. I mean, his like I said, his father yeah. his father died relatively young. Uh, his mother didn't uh, died not long after that. He lost he had that experience he'd lived the lost parent experience it wasn't it wasn't you know the trauma of of having them killed in front of you but it loss is loss yeah and and so he was able to come in from that and say this is you know what is the what is the driving force here well it's pain and and the idea that batman i think for some some writers have done a really good job of this and sometimes you don't, this isn't the story you're telling, but sometimes, you know, the writers who have sat there and went, he does this because he doesn't want anybody else to be him. That's kind of the goal, yeah. is I don't want another, I don't want you to be another Batman because there shouldn't even have been me, you know? Um, and that's the whole thing, is that, you know, this is why he ends up with Robins. It's like, these are these are kids who could turn into me. I don't want that. Right. Let's put them in bright colors so they can be happy, um, you know. And sometimes that's, I think, really... And it's hard. I think it is hard to write characters struggling with trauma like that. Some authors are better, writers are better at it than others. That's just well, how it is. And, and the flip side of that, you look at Mask of the Phantasm... And he's got this scene where he's talking to his parents. He's like, I know I made a promise. I didn't expect to be happy. You know, and in that right. one line, I never expected to be happy. You get the distillation of everything about that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the great tragedies of Batman. Is that here's this idea, this, you know, I'm... I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to, you know, this is, I th- I thought it was incredibly clumsy how they handled it, but there was a recent run where, and some of it was editorial mandated as, as I understand, but mm. I don't care. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, we almost had Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle getting married where it was actually Batman and Catwoman were going to get married. And of course, because, because the comic book industry is not like our heroes to be happy. Um, yeah. You know, 
That, I mean, look at look at Spider Man. Uh, that, but, whole, uh, that whole thing <laughs> that whole thing felt like a bait and switch from Tom King from from the beginning. Tom King. I think I think we have. I think uh, I'm I'm I wonder considering considering the track record with executives at comic book companies with characters like Peter Parker or Bruce Wayne or pick any character who's in a relationship, either their significant other ends up in a fridge or they are put on a bus yeah. or something happens. I mean, Spider-Man right now, how how many times has Spider-Man broken up with Mary Jane Watson? I mean, come on, you guys. Uh, that, it's, um, that, that's a mess over there right now is what I'm hearing. Just stop it. So. Stop it. <laughs> Give me a but, uh, but in Batman's case, you run the risk is if Batman is happy. Is he Batman? Can he be content? Content and happiness are not the same things. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, and he's a character who clearly loves his family. He doesn't show it very well. And <laughs> Conroy had that gruffness, that scene when you get to um, it was a justice. It was a Justice League episode where it was the future. It was this. It was the Batman Beyond. Um, sequel, the Justice League episode where you got Amanda Waller explaining uh, right. Terry McGillis's, McGinnis's, uh origin story, the, the true origin story, and who, who he was to Bruce Wayne. And, I mean, that that's such a well-written episode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and again, you know, the defining um, Amanda Waller. No, no offense to anyone else who's ever played the part. Um, but, uh, yeah, CCH that, she's so good at that. Um, but yeah, just that, that, that whole kind of thing where, where for all the gruffness of Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne, how he, it, it was very clear how that character felt about Dick Grayson. It was clear how that character felt about Terry. Yeah. It, uh, Barbara. Well, Okay. We have one movie which we try to forget how he <laughs> felt about Barbara, and again, that's not a that's not a fault of any of the actors. That's just a no. bad decision. Very um, bad decision. Well, and and you know, a lot of people talk about Batman's scene with Ace. You know, in that in that you know in the playground, mm -hmm. they're sitting on the swing oh. as Ace is dying, and it's not Superman that sits there and and holds her hand while she's while she's fading away. It's Batman. And that says a lot about that character. And you get right. you mean, get the deep Batman voice from Conroy, but it's calm. And it's very it's it's very, you know, not not sedate, but it's subdued. Even though it's the it's the Batman voice, it's not the Bruce Wayne voice. It's Batman. But it's a calm Batman. Oh, it's someone who's getting a chance to say his he never got to have the experience of being the one who dies that sounds weird but you know he's he's got such a sense of loss of various things here's someone who is losing that 
as a child, really. Right. Um, you know, and yeah, it's, it's again, just very, very fine work and, and giving that depth. It's not just, I am vengeance. I am the knight. There's a depth of character. There's a range of character, even within that powerful Batman voice. Right. There's, you know, um, there's shades in there and yeah, he wasn't just a, it's real easy to, you know, again, cartoons, 30 minutes, well, 20, what, 23 minutes most of the time? 22, I think. Yeah, it's not even, it's not even 30 minutes, really. So, I mean, but the, the fact that you could have that kind of development uh, as a character within each episode, um, and uh, he never, he never coasted on it. Yeah. And that's the legacy he leaves the people who he is remembered by and praised by the folks he worked with the fans we said i've said this before with some of the folks we've lost but that's not a bad legacy to leave right you know that's i fully expect and i i may even suggest it next time i talk to them but i fully expect a kevin conroy uh, Batman display of some sort at the Superman Museum in Metropolis. It would not surprise me. It needs to happen. There needs to be something. They're putting out what there. There's a Batman statue. Where is the Batman statue? Uh, people uh, are putting people are putting flowers by the Batman statue. There's a Batman statue in Illinois. Yeah, I know uh, there because there's a big Superman statue in Metropolis, Illinois. Um. It's um, Batman statue, Burbank. Yeah, it's in Burbank. Okay, okay, California. All right, so yeah, but there's a Batman statue there. People have been putting flowers at it. At it. So, yeah, he will definitely be so, missed yeah. by a lot of people. I uh, I think I think that we. We've talked about this before. You and I have managed to have some really, really, and other generations before us have too, and other generations after as well as well. But we've been lucky to have some of these performers be part of our lives for as long as we've had. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, when you think about how much, how many really, truly amazingly talented people um have been uh just part of our experience as fans in the genre world um that we've spent you know we're not the youngest people anymore jason <laughs> but how much of our lives have these people just been there for yeah it's like it's like when, when david bowie passed away has there been a period of our lives when we didn't have david bowie nope, nope. um and you know for for 30 of my 52 years a yeah. bunch of different bunch of different actors playing the role in live action and other voice actors as well but there was always one voice that yeah. you could recognize and why you sit there and say i am vengeance i am the knight so. see and 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 as we as we get further along in our years and as the technology continues to evolve, you have now 
a, a program called Respeecher, which is what Lucasfilm has been using over in the Star Wars productions with regard to Mark Hamill's voice for Luke Skywalker, and now, right. uh, and now James Earl Jones's voice. They have licensed his voice likeness for mm-hmm. future productions that would involve Darth Vader, and so now, from here on out, you will have James Earl Jones's voice as Darth Vader without James Earl Jones performing Darth Vader, and mm-hmm. that to me is that's a little creepy. Remember when they were threatening to replace our actors with completely CGI actors? They still Thank could. goodness. Thank goodness the Uncan- Uncanny Valley is a thing because they have still not figured out eyes. They're going to, though. It's coming. Oh, I know. Right I know. Now, I mean, but the thing is, deep, deep I think, fake, I think deep at least fake for... is a thing. So all I got to do is you know, paint the dots in your face and I can put somebody else's face on you. I know. I just, I think... I, I will say this. I don't don't always have a lot of praise for um, how well Warner Warner Brothers hath its issues, um, but uh, you know there there have while while he has been that very definitive voice of Batman, there have been other actors playing Batman in the animated universes they've had, and they've been doing most of a lot of them have been doing a good job. Liam. You know, Peter Weller's again. Peter Weller, fantastic actor, not the right person for that role, I don't think. Right. Um, so, so there have been other folks who have picked up the mantle, and 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 done very fine jobs. So I'm gonna hope. He said optimistically, <laughs> um, that they're that they're gonna let those folks carry that on, right? Because there there are some you know, um, people have been doing a good job. Yeah. Um, being and, a different a different Batman. Yeah. Um, and MS. Well, let me let me let me address this because this is exactly this is what we were talking about. This is exactly going to be happening now, um, because you you don't have to have James Earl Jones physically. His his you know you never see him. It's just his voice as Darth Vader, and right. they have now made a deal with John, with James Earl Jones that they can still use his voice as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be there. They're going to be completely computer-generated James Earl Jones voice. So, yeah. That, and, and, and again, this goes... And, and this is something else we could talk about at some other, at some other point, where the use of deepfake and the use of, of respeecher and that kind of computer software, we can take anybody from any time and make them say and do anything and slippery slope... I will slope, say that... There is very little information. I think, uh, uh, Conrad, while he was, you know, he wasn't hiding his husband. They also were very private in what they did outside of his right. his, his work life. Um, but my understanding is that Vaughn Williams, his husband, is a retired lawyer. So I'm pretty sure that unless this was a deal that they agreed to ahead of time, that if they want to do that, There'll be more than one pe- person who's going to sit there and say, "Ahem, a no." Yeah. I, um, I which would is hope. as it should be. Yeah. I, well, as it should be, and, and and honestly, if at that if if before he died, he he 
he made a deal with them. I'm not going to judge him for doing that because there's a lot of different reasons. It can be taking care of your family. It can be taken care of, you know, there could be a lot of reasons to do it. Yeah. I hope that's not what happened just because <clears throat> sounds weird, but sometimes I like for me personally, and I'm not going to judge anybody else for not feeling the same way. When we lose someone like this, when we lose someone who's been, you know, definitive, for what they do, you lose your Freddie Mercury's, you lose your, um, you know, David Bowie's, you lose you know, any of these amazing performers. When they are gone, um, being able to mourn them and move on mm. is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and celebrate them. You know, so obviously celebrate them, celebrate their lives, celebrate the fact that we had three decades of, of Kevin Conroy's Batman. Celebrate the fact that it's whether you're a gamer or a, uh, uh, you know, watched him in, in any of these different shows. You just had his voice as that character. Celebrate the fact that he brought us the richness to an animated version of Batman. Yep. You know, and, and, and recognize that, you know, well, sad as it is, death comes for us all. And that's part of life. And and it's too soon. Sixty six is too soon. Yeah, it's almost always too soon. It doesn't matter how old you get. It is. Somebody else, somebody around you is losing you. So yeah. But another yeah. another thing that always comes uh, the end of the hour. So we're we're and we're well past hours. Uh, but I think it was it was worth worth the extra time to to talk about this. So if you have thoughts, if you're if you're listening to us uh, over on the podcast side of things. Uh, we give a shout out to our listeners in Norway and Japan and the Philippines and Australia and Germany and the UK. Good to have all of you with us. Uh, you can leave a comment. You can send an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. You can connect with us on all the different various uh, social media platforms and uh, the Odyssey and Rumble video platforms. We are still working toward our 100, but... I understand that we don't necessarily need the 100 subscribers on Rumble if we pay the money in order to be able to live stream. So you know, there's a there's a there's a catch. There's that. So it's always uh, a catch. Eventually, we'll 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 try to we're thinking about going ahead and live streaming to Rumble. Uh, also, want to mention that over the over the weekend. Uh, Mr. Harvey and Mrs. Walker came in for a one shot of foreign bodies uh, talking about uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. And I got to say, uh, Tim, um, this particular episode has done fairly well. And the, the, the difference, I think, is that... Some social media posts have gone out that were not mine. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I saw a few from I saw a few from 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 Leslie and and people were like, "Wait, you have a podcast? <laughs> We've done what thirty nine of these now." So go listen to uh, go watch go watch Foreign Bodies, folks. It's a it's a discussion of horror from outside the United States. It's a very good program. Uh, so, uh, so there is that. Of course, 
We will be back for uh, Live from the Bunker on Wednesday. Christopher Hoffman will be the guest host, and he will have as our guest uh, a musical group called uh, Galaxy Electric. Uh, he came across them in, when he was uh, up in, in Oregon uh, for a trip. So that's, that's going to be Wednesday. And then uh, what do we have on Friday? Do I have somebody on Friday? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a busy month. We've just been going and going and going and going. So we will do this again next week here. Uh, in the meantime, feel free to check out any of the rest of the of the shows that we've got. We've got some other stuff coming up. Uh, Live from the bunker five hundred is coming up at the end of December. Uh, and then who knows what's going to happen in 2023. But uh, tonight we're done. We're, we're, we're leaving. We're uh, saying, saying oh, farewell. Farewell as you just said that to <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.